Input. Output. Hi, this is Input Output, and I'm your host, Mark Yarm. Today on the Input Output podcast, we've got one story about TikTok's dark side and another about an app that will expand your horizons. A song that joked about the Holocaust recently went viral on TikTok. It was featured in videos that got more than 6.5 million total views before the platform removed the clips, according to the BBC. And that's only part of TikTok's anti-Semitic content problem. Popular social media video sharing app TikTok seems to be evolving to be used for far more than just sharing in awkward dance crazes. Anti-Semites, Holocaust deniers, and others Other such extremists are taking advantage of the platform to reach young people and spread their hateful messages. InputMag.com news editor Maureen Kasana recently wrote about this serious issue. Here she is reading an excerpt from her piece. In a bit to appear edgy online, there is always a contingency of trolls who attempt to shock and stun social media users with increasingly egregious content. It's nothing new. These posts, tweets, photos, and videos frequently mock minority groups while trivializing events from history that were, without doubt, heinous. So it's not entirely shocking that TikTok has its own platform trolls who, according to the BBC, make anti-Semitic content for the masses. Welcome back to the show, Maureen. It's nice to be back. Thank you. So what kind of anti-Semitic content has been appearing on TikTok? It's been several forms. According to the BBC, initially what started off was a song, an anti-Semitic song, making fun of Auschwitz uh, death camps, and it got at least 6.5 million views. And then later on, hundreds of users picked up that song and used it for their own videos. Apart from that, there was a mechanic scorpion wearing a swastika, killing people in a video, and then an anti-Semitic song that cheered on a you know Nazi death camp. There was another video of a shooter game where people were just being killed left, right, and center, and then there were jokes about Roblox characters in Nazi uniforms. So it's, it's, it's been pretty ugly on TikTok recently. And how has ByteDance, the company behind TikTok, reacted to this? The company spokesperson told BBC they don't tolerate any kind of content that includes hate speech, and the sound in question, they said, as well as the associated videos, had been removed. It took about eight hours for the company to take down these videos, and these videos and songs had been up for about three days. What is noticeable about that uh, statement that they gave is that the spokesperson said they cannot catch every instance of inappropriate content, which is true, But they also note that they have ostensibly technologies and policies to ensure TikTok remains a quote-unquote safe place for everyone to give positive creative expression. So that's the boilerplate statement that people received after this, frankly, pretty ugly sense of humor on the platform. So what can TikTok do in terms of filtering and monitoring? I think one thing that really is key, and this goes not only for TikTok, it could go for any kind of social media company, any tech company, is that there needs to be transparency around the kind of algorithmic practices they have. Most companies, including TikTok, have a very standard, common, at times even uninspiring algorithmic model that seems to boost content that is being heavily engaged with. So if this content has a lot of momentum, it is then boosted further into the app. And that you can see also in the way how you know TikTok users act, they often say, help this go viral, right? So more engagement, more virility, and then it goes forward. The problem with that kind of model is that it takes consumer consumption and it lets it trump ethical questions. And that kind of uh, model really compromises moderation and filtering standard practices. But the company does not exactly, and this, is, this isn't surprising, the company is not open about how it goes forward about these things. And when you shroud very basic principles and practices like that, you kind of encourage a culture of secrecy. 
that shouldn't be there. And that kind of secrecy enables this kind of behavior. And it's it's pretty appalling. Yeah, if there's one thing about ByteDance and TikTok, it seems that they're overly secretive about pretty much everything about the company. Right. And you could say that for Facebook. You could say that for, you know, even Twitter. The problem with a lot of these companies is that they want the engagement without having the public scrutiny around their strategies, their algorithms, the way they content promote and filter different materials. So you you can't have it all. If you want people to engage with your platform, and that's fine, that's not a bad aspiration to have, you should definitely have an open culture around showing them this is how we take your content and if it's going viral this is how we push it forward but you also have to tell them that you know if the content is like this where you're openly mocking the debts of millions of people that can't happen and that's unacceptable you can follow maureen on twitter at maureen kasana now on to today's second story Randonautica is a service that takes a user's GPS coordinates and, based on different variables the user inputs, assigns them another set of random coordinates in their vicinity. The idea is to get people off the beaten track. InputMag.com news editor Craig Wilson recently wrote about this real-life choose-your-own-adventure game. Here he is reading an excerpt from his piece. No matter how much or how little you buy into Randonautica's spiel, it forces you to get out there, to go places, to be aware of things to look for meaning, and you'll find it, because pattern recognition is one of our species' defining traits. It's why we see faces in inanimate objects, animals in clouds, or Mary Magdalene in a slice of burnt toast. Welcome back to the show, Craig. Thanks for having me, Mark. So how does Randonautica work? It started out as a chatbot on the chat messaging service Telegram, which is a sort of Russian-made WhatsApp equivalent. But there's now actually a standalone app for Android and for iOS. And essentially what you do is you feed the app your location information and then put in a couple of variables and it spits out another location for you and directs you to it using whatever your preferred mapping service is. And off you go. The idea being that perhaps some of the intentions that you've set while it hunts for a location to send you to will, in some sense, manifest themselves one way or another when you get there. Hey, guys, so this is crazy. There's an app called Randonautica, and it's hooked to a quantum computer, which gives the users generated locations to go to. Now, these locations are high and low frequency spots and the experience is supposed to break the person out of the matrix and prove the strength of manifestation. Based on what you wrote, it seems like it brings up a lot of philosophical issues. Sure. I mean, well, I certainly sort of found that in it. I think I find it interesting that we talk about these sorts of notions of of randomness and I guess just how difficult randomness really is for humans to either achieve deliberately or to grapple with. You know, while I was researching the story, I looked up things about randomness. And one of the ones I found was that, you know, often cooked books are spotted by auditors because when humans try to deliberately force randomness, they fail miserably because they avoid patterns like, say, you know, recurring numbers and that sort of thing. And what they do in the process is they actually create a pattern that's recognizable when they're trying to make randomness. And I thought that this app sort of plays into some of that, that 
we can't help but see and recognize things and find meaning or have memories triggered in just about anything, particularly if, as I think this app achieves, we deliberately tune into that kind of recognition mindset. So from what I understand, the app asks you an intention before you go on a trip. What does that mean? So in the chat version of the app, you can ask it to give you a couple of keywords that you can use as sort of triggers or hints for perhaps what you might look out for when you get to the destination. In the mobile apps, meanwhile, it just encourages you to think of a word or a phrase and then focus on that while it picks a destination for you. The suggestion being, again, that somehow this this will influence the spot that you're sent to and, of course, what you'll see when you get there. Now, I've got to confess, I am a little sceptical about this. I'm sceptical, too, about its claims about using a quantum number generator, as it puts it, to pick out the coordinates. But there's a lot of sort of interesting theory around the app. One of the other early discussions about it was that it was intended to help us sort of break the simulation that, of course, some people argue we may already be living in by changing our patterns and changing our habits But I think that is where the value lies. So, you know, whether you think of a particular intention or not, I tried, you know, things like how far I've come since moving to the US as as one of the intentions and then saw a number of names and words and phrases and things in in a graveyard that seemed to align. Another time I thought about the word rabbits very intensely and saw very little that related to rabbits where I got where I was going. But what I like is that it forces you to go to places that you wouldn't necessarily otherwise. And while, of course, few of us are commuting or going out much in the world at the moment, I could imagine using it when I am again, just to perhaps force me to get off at a different subway stop or, you know, just to go somewhere that I haven't been because it is so easy to fall into these rote behaviors where we literally follow pretty much the same footsteps and patterns and routes every day. And, you know, as anyone who's gone down the wrong block, for instance, once and then stumbled on something fascinating can attest, that impetus to try something different can really, really result in, you know, a fresh view of the world. The app recently got some press when it led a TikTok star to a suitcase containing human remains. Did you find anything that interesting? These teens are about to make a gruesome discovery. Guys, we found a suitcase at the <laughs> They were exploring a remote part of a beach in Seattle when they came across the mysterious black luggage. At first, they had no idea what was inside, which is why they could be heard joking around in the video. Wait, open it. <laughs> it stinks, y'all. I did not find anything that interesting, and I'm kind of relieved, frankly. I was rooted through a block party here in Brooklyn, which seemed a little surprising given the pandemic, but most people were trying to be sensible and wear masks, even as they danced in the street. I saw some unusual cars and some some old, unexpected ones, but no, thankfully, nothing quite that exciting. Uh, it does make for an amazing story. Um, I'm, I'm quite happy to have not found human remains, but I suspect were I a TikTok star, I might feel differently. You can 
can follow Craig on Twitter at Craig Wilson, and I am at Mark Yarm. For more news from the world of technology and culture, visit InputMag.com. You can click on the links in the show notes for the stories we discussed today. New episodes of Input Output are released three times a week. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. You can find Input Output on your smart speaker or whichever podcast app you use. Thanks for listening.